Heyo, welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank, and I'm joined today by Kevin. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me. Uh, Kevin, can you tell us what you've been up to lately? I know you've been streaming a lot. What are you playing? Yeah, so I've been streaming quite a bit of Spelunky 2, and I sighed when I said that because it's a very frustrating game. I love it. I love Spelunky. But man, the deaths are fast and furious in that one. Yeah. Mostly yeah, what I've when something goes wrong, it goes wrong in a very terrible way, it seems like. Oh, yeah, it definitely goes <laughs> it goes wrong quickly and hard. What is the name of your channel so everybody can go check you out? Uh, Twitch.tv slash Kevinjection um, for that. And then anything else that I might do in the future, wink, wink, hint, hint, uh, go to mm-hmm. streamerlinks.com slash Kevinjection. Kevinjection. Okay, that's good to remember. Everybody keep, in mo- keep that in mind. Uh, all right. Moving forward, we're going to be talking about, we're going to be doing a level up, and we're talking about Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic. It's a classic. Uh, Kevin, did you play this game when it first launched? Yeah, um, I almost actually, I didn't have an Xbox at the time, so I almost bought an Xbox specifically for this, or rather talked my parents into it, but instead I got the PC version of it. And yeah, played it right when it came out, and yeah, loved it. Yeah, my my first experience was on the Xbox, and then I played it um, on mobile afterwards. How did it that get, play? Actually, I guess if we're quite well, it. really good. Yeah, I played really good. I was surprised by that. But um, I played it on the iPad, and it was still the same thing where I'm like stopping in certain locations at all of, of the scenery and stuff. And I was like, man, I cannot believe this is being played on an iPad. Just fine. And the controls were as good as the controls get <laughs> for Nuts the Old Republic. The mobile version was pretty cheap, too, if I remember Ten correctly. Ten bucks. Yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, this was, game was published, or I'm sorry, was developed by Bioware, published by LucasArts, and released July 15th of 2003 on PC, Mac, and Xbox. Uh, the reason they went with Xbox is because, you know, of course they could have gone PlayStation as well. The operating system that ran the Xbox was similar enough to the PC, and one of the guys in the small crew that made this game was familiar with the Xbox inner workings. So that's why they decided, let's just go Xbox exclusive. The, we'll go into the development of this game. It was a very tricky development because the way this game is made is so unique to any other game that was being made at the time um, that they were like, we're pretty limited to what we can offer. Really, the PC was where this thing was meant to be played. The notable personnel on this was uh, Casey Hudson, yeah, who would go on to make Mass Effect. He's kind of like one of those guys where when he's attached to a product, you're kind of like, I trust it a little bit more. What do you think about Casey? That definitely used to be the case. I'm not going to yeah. say that it's still <laughs> the case. and that, that goes true with the rest of bioware in general yeah 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 they, they definitely slipped up towards the end of mass effect um what was the other one they i think it was like jade empire or something like that are you oh, familiar with that game jade empire was good yeah that came out around the same time as the the kotor games did like in between them i think yeah it's good i was always like ah, someday i'll get that one it's cheap and it seems to never be cheap enough for me apparently but just go ahead and uh, pick it up I don't think that that game would actually hold up as well as it did when it first came out, honestly. You don't think so? No. I I mean, like, the graphics for Old Republic doesn't, but it's still good. You don't think the same thing? Yeah, I I don't know. It felt different. It felt like there was less of a budget behind it. It felt less polished, Mm -hmm. which added to the charm at the time. But comparing it to Knights of the Old Republic now, which is what people would do with Jade Empire, uh, I don't think it would hold up. Okay, well, that's good to know. That's good to know. That means that my Haspiel sale level just went down even more, so we're going to be almost free now. All right, we're moving on to the tutorial of the game. We're starting with you, Kevin. Kevin, you got one minute. Can you describe this game? You choose however you want to describe it in one minute. I think I got this. <clears throat> All right. All right, so Knights of the Old Republic takes place about 4,000 years before the mainline Star Wars franchise, so before any of the movies, totally new lore, totally new characters, everything. The Sith Empire is trying to take over the Galactic Republic. You play as a soldier of the Galactic Republic, or so you think. Start off on a ship. You don't have very many memories of your past, if any. Kind of get flashes throughout the game. You meet a ragtag crew of people that you collect along the way. Try to help out. Try to find out their backstory, which is the key <laughs> of the game for me. Um, go from planet to planet, figuring out the, the problems that each planet seconds. is having. And God, that's so, the pressure's on. <laughs> I'm not going to get into major spoilers right now until we get later on, but... Yeah, the, the big boss fights at the end have a little bit more of a, an emotional feeling than you would think they would to them. And mm-hmm. um, lightsabers go boom. Also, swoop bikes. Okay, that's pretty good. You had 10 seconds left on the clock. That's pretty good. As long <laughs> as you got that lightsaber goes boom thing. I was happy with that. That's that basically where we're at. Um, 
that was dude that was great job <laughs> for 50 <laughs> seconds you kind of nailed it i we'll planned the a, first a little more depth but in story but man you really did a good job i planned the first five seconds of that everything else was ad-libbed <laughs> uh the, I, I think you didn't mention much of the gameplay uh, what would you kind of speak to that real quick if like in the last 10 seconds kind of thing yeah turn-based combat uh rpg elements i guess big rpg elements because it is an rpg start off as not a jedi and then become a jedi basically it right um a couple things we want to make sure we bring up too is the actions that you take will give you either light side or dark side points but they don't change it from being a jedi which is one thing i think that would have been kind of cool i don't know i don't know story-wise it really couldn't have happened but it would have been nice to kind of like become so dark that you just simply are not a jedi anymore um there's that what else is i think that's basically yeah the turn phase combat was a biggie in the game and it to me makes it stand out in my memory the most of everything else yeah but that's it for tutorial you guys are ready to start the game so let's go level one story we're gonna be going over the major uh, uh plots here but i think we need to start off with a twist so that we can like explain everything else that wraps around it so the twist is huge in this game you want to lead us off what do you what was the twist of knights of the old republic so you have flashes of memory throughout the game and it turns out that the character you're playing is the big bad sith lord and you just don't know it the whole time and the big yeah. actual villain of the game is your apprentice darth malak i've got a statue of darth malak right above me actually which is oh, pretty great that's cool yeah. <laughs> um yeah you're darth raven and one of the coolest names of course of all time and uh that that really shook me when it happened i remember Okay, so for my personal path, I was like total paladin, like light side all the way, helping everybody can, doing those extra missions because, you know, that's just what a Jedi would do. But I remember when I first discovered that, wait, I'm Darth Raven. I'm actually a bad guy. You guys were lying to me. I went full Sith after that and just started being an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> I was like, Malik, you didn't save me. <laughs> You're going down. Like my my motivation completely changed. But still, I didn't want nothing to do with her. Uh, I, my companions just swapped <laughs> in a second. No longer was there a Wookiee next to me. And I was so <laughs> fast. Um, and then I went. I remember very well. My motivation at the end was: I'm going to take control of my my Sith uh, Empire, and I am going to bring the Republic down. Like emotionally, I was so invested in like I'm this good guy, I'm this new hero. And then you find out they've been lying to you. That emotionally, for me as a player. I flipped on a dime and I normally am just like good all the way to the end. I mean, I get that Jesus achievement. I'll fall out all the time. That kind of thing for you. How did that twist hit you? Well, first I'm just going to say when you said my Sith empire, that sounded just like Anakin from episode three. So I don't know if that's a that's, good thing or a bad thing for you. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, the twist didn't hit me that hard because the main story, like the main Revan character of the game didn't really do much for me. It was all the side stuff that actually, left yeah. the biggest impact on me so when I, I didn't expect the twist at the time obviously it's 2003 it was 17 years ago i was pretty young and yeah. i didn't yeah i didn't see it coming or anything but it wasn't like a huge surprise i didn't dramatically change my gameplay i don't think from it my first playthrough i just kind of went with it the same way i was i'm like i'm this new character now i'm whatever character this is i created and i'm not darth revan anymore and malik can die yeah so, so you, okay, that was good. So you were totally detached to the idea that like, oh, I'm, I'm actually supposed to be this other character. You were just like, no, I'm a new character. Forget my old identity because you never played as that old identity. Right. Yeah. Uh, new Jedi, new me. <laughs> there we go. So you guys should live your life. New Jedi, new you. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and get into the story. This play takes place 4,000 years before the films. Um, and the major threat that's being to kind of shown to you guys is this Darth Malak. He controls the city that you're, you first land on, uh, and he's just kind of this thing you're constantly trying to hunt down because, of course, he's he's just a Darth. It's, it's that kind of general bad guy. Uh, he is the newly in charge leader after Darth Revan had uh, had vanished, and so that's kind of this like. There's also this little mystery there, but really, it's not leaned on much. Most of the thing is that Malak is this big bad. Do you feel like he was a constant threat, like he was actually a worthy villain in the game? I think so. They made him more like mysterious and ominous enough that he felt like an ever-looming threat, but didn't really do too much outside of that first the destroying of Terrace at the beginning of the game. Yeah. Yeah. The 
Because it, was it clear, but was he the one that attacked your ship that made you have to land on Terrace or no? Uh, I think that that was, I don't remember exactly, but I think that was just some other Sith ship. Okay, yeah. Normal shenanigans in space. All right, so you crash land on Terrace in your escape pod, and you're uh, with Republic pilot Karth Onassi. Oh, uh, let's. So as you're going, right, as you're going, you're collecting these different people to join you. So we're just going to go ahead and go run down the list real quick here. Um, these are companions to help you out, and they're they're really kind of leaning on what side of the spectrum you're on. Either you're light or dark, and there's some of them that like them either way. So there's Karth, there's Mission uh, Veo, 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 I think it is. Uh, Zalbar, which I'm sure was on everybody's list for a while there. Uh, Jolie Bindo, HK47, T3M4, Bastilla Sean, and then uh, Candorous Ordo, or just the Mandalorian. Everybody knows me as the Mandalorian. Uh, did you have any favorites out of those? I don't remember Jolie Bindo. I don't remember mm -hmm. that character at all, so I'm going to say not them. <laughs> HK47 <laughs> is always a fan favorite. Everybody loves yes. HK47. Um, I actually yeah. quite liked T3M4, because... Really? He's the first companion that you get, and you've got him for quite a while when you're going through that first planet. And I yeah. actually liked that that little droid. I don't know why. I don't think I did at the time, but thinking back about it, I definitely do. Karth is very bland. Uh, yeah. Bastila is well. She's is she she's not a crew member, is she? Bastila. No, no. She's kind of she's kind of the other main character in the story, realistically. And so that's one thing I kind of had a problem with her is like she takes up a lot of the spotlight. And a lot of story, which makes sense because she is important to the story. But the entire time is like, yeah, but I'm the one that made the decisions, you know? Right. So, yeah, she's kind of a weird companion because she was really a leading role. I also quite liked Mission and Zalbar. Didn't care yeah. for Candorous, didn't care for Karth. Yeah. Yeah, Jolie uh, Bindo is, he was like a bald Jedi. I think he had a yellow saber and he was really balanced. It was my thing. Is he, the things he would say were very uh, Yoda-esque in the fact that we're like all about, you know, we don't necessarily can't get rid of the Sith. We just need to bring down their numbers to a reasonable number. Stuff like that. It's always these checks and balances, which which was things that made you think while you're walking around. It wasn't like Bastilla, who was so sure of herself that the Jedi were the way to go. It was somebody that was like, well, well, hold on now, which was you as the player. So that kind of made me relate to him more. And the voice acting for him was really good, too. Um, Sounds like a but character yeah. I would like a lot more now than I did when I was a kid playing the game. <laughs> right, yeah. It's, and it's tough as a kid because a lot of times, you know, we're just like, oh, I'm a Jedi. and This is what I dress up as, so I'm definitely right. a Jedi, you know. <laughs> so while you're there at Terrace, uh, the city's eventually attacked by Malak. You, you discover uh, Bastilla Sean. They've been looking for her. And you guys narrowly escape the city. And you're off to uh, the Dantooine, which is a Jedi temple. And there you become a Jedi and whatnot. And you learn the existence of the Starforge. How did you like that section becoming a Jedi? Did you feel like it was rewarding, like it was really transformative? Or did you kind of like, ah, oh, it's just another story beat? To me, it was what I was looking forward to the most in the game. And every time I play the game, it's kind of the thing that I try to get to qu the quickest. I try to get through Terrace as fast as possible while still doing everything. Yeah. Um, I loved Dantooine specifically because of the like Game of Thrones-esque house versus house dynamic of the, the backstory on that planet, personally. Yeah. Yeah, pers I was kind of was let down because I, I came into Star Wars in the Coruscants. Like, I came in at the prequels, right? So Coruscant was this huge city that had a giant Jedi temple. I was kind of expecting that. And it was like, oh, this little thing is kind of hidden away, which makes sense for 4,000 years ago. But I was kind of like, uh, I, I just expected more. So I was a little bit let down by that. And then I felt like the process of becoming a Jedi was a little rushed. But looking at the entirety of the story, yeah, you had to kind of get past that checkpoint, really, to, because that was the end of Act 1, and then into Act 2, so you kind of needed that to, to be a quicker area. With the discovery of the Starforge, do you think that that was a big enough threat, or do you think it was kind of just, oh, look, this is Death Star 2.0, or actually, what, 3.0, or whatever, for a, a Star Wars franchise? Yeah, I, I didn't care. It was just the, the next Star Wars super weapon. Yeah, it seems to be something that they really like to lean on. It was really all about Darth Malak in my book. Gotta get yeah, him down. One hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. The best. The best part of the game story-wise for me is you're going to be then bouncing around from planet to planet and search for these star maps that give you clues of how to find the Star Forge and Darth Malak himself. So again, like the companions, we're going to just shoot down the list of different planets. We'll talk about our favorites. So we have Terrace, of course, when we were first on. We have Korriban, Tatooine, 
Manan, Lihan, Lihon, Dantooine, which is the one with the Jedi Temple, and then Kashyyyk, of course. Everybody knows Kashyyyk. So you were saying that Dantooine was your favorite? Definitely not my favorite. No, Korriban was 100% okay. yeah, my good, favorite. Good. Yeah. The, the ominous sounds, all the Sith lore, which is something that no video game or movie prior to that had really delved into very much. The mm-hmm. lore of the Sith, and it was, even though it's all retconned now for the most part, it was, oh man, just seeing everything dark, bright red, dark and bright red. So yeah, let's go with that. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> red everywhere, just the caves with the, the statues, and oh man, everything about Korriban was just everything I wanted it to be. And and it really had this interesting story because you were there infiltrating the Empire, if I remember correctly. And so the decisions you had you made were then under a mask. So you were like, okay, look, either I'm good or you know, darker Jedi, but nevertheless I have to pretend to be straight up evil while still trying to hold my identity. So it kind of let add an extra layer to all your choices that you made. And I really liked that. It was it was a good point in the game where you're like, okay, let's let's throw a twist on this and try to be somebody I'm not while still holding true to who I am. That was more complex than most games had me thinking at the time when at the time I was what playing Tony Hawk 2? You know what I'm saying? It was really tricky. <laughs> not to a add whole that lot in there. That was a good choice. Light side versus dark side options in Tony Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, just gotta grind all the way. Yeah. Uh Ma- Manon to me was really cool because you had this, you know, ocean planet and this little floating city. And you just kept thinking, like, it, it just kind of kicked in these things of, like, how do these people evolve? And the whole time you're there, you're just, you're sitting there like, I want to know more about these people is really good. And then, of course, the story of Kashyyyk, which I think is a story that I remember the most. And that's where you're trying to fight off slavery on the Wookiee homeworld. And uh, the whole time you're dealing with one of your companions, Zabar, uh, he, his family is there. And you're trying to save his family. And uh, some of the cutscenes I remember very well when you're like being lowered down the, tra- the, the sides of the trees uh, into the lower parts of the tree line. It was just it was like we're going into darkness and yet it feels like it's cooler and stuff down here. And this is like actually where they could survive. I don't know, man. It was just one of those worlds where it, it slowed. It take this big and it's what something Star Wars in general needs to do. I think it takes this big galactic war and then it shrinks it down to one spot with, a, with its own story. And I was super invested in the well-being of these Wookiees. And I think something that, that Star Wars in general needs to do, because we have these big galactic wars, and you're seeing people being mown down, and you don't care about any of them as much. But really, if you were to get to, like, just one planet, and, like, one trade dispute on a single planet, I think is a better way to tell these stories in this world. Yeah, um, it puts you in the, the, the mindset of the common person in those situations, and it really gives you a different perspective, and it makes you appreciate the bigger, the grand story of it a little bit more, I think. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. That way, when people are just dying by the, you know, thousands and stuff like that on these battlefields, you're like, oh, no, that guy. Damn, that's too bad. Uh, We don't quite get that anymore. I don't know. It kind of reminds me of like if you're looking at like, you know, A New Hope, right, or the original Star Wars, when his aunt and uncle died and he went on from there. But that that whole first part when he's sitting there like picking the droid and stuff like that, it kind of you kind of saw what it was like in a daily life for somebody that's just out there as a moisture farmer. I, I can't really think of a moment like that in the newer Star Wars that's where you see the daily life. The only thing I can think of is the broom kid at the end of uh, The Last Jedi. <laughs> the so, kid that, yeah, never mind. Exactly. Well, you know that that's, that's how much attention they're giving it. Yeah. Um, they really should be expanding on that. And I think that older, Knights of the Old Republic is this world that's so deep of like politics and, and discovery of the Force and discovery of these two sides that it really sets yourself up for something really great. Um, okay, so those are your planets you're going through, and then eventually you learn the huge twist. You're brainwashed Darth Raven, who was saved by the Bastille after, uh, after attack, and then was you know then brainwashed at the temple you were at earlier. So, you know, you either are going to be full of rage at the Republic, and you're going to turn on them, or you're going to take out Malak as a usurper and become, you know, Lord of the Sith, or you'd be like, oh, I learned the errors of my ways and I'm a good guy now. And you're going to become the hero of the Republic. Uh, I myself, I took Malak out and became Sith Lord and it was started enslaving planets right away. And I, you, it sounds like you went the other way with that. My first playthrough. Yeah. Did you only play it through like one full time? I played it through twice both ways. And the second time I told myself, be a good guy. Nope. <laughs> I went bad again. <laughs> so got to YouTube the videos on how to, what it looks like when you're a nice guy. 
yeah. I always play those games light side first, dark side second, and then somewhere in the middle if I go through it a third time. Yeah, I usually go light side, but something about the betrayal felt like this is a good time to like, all right, I'm gonna stick my teeth in on this and just go crazy on them. Um, the problem was, is I think you leveled up your your companions, if I'm not mistaken, and none of my bad side companions were like leveled up or I had any interest in them at all. That was tricky. Yeah, trying to pick the best character to suit the best side characters to suit how your play style was always when you're changing your play style that late into the game is really difficult. Yeah, because I kept uh, I think his name is Zalabar, Zanzibar, whatever. Uh, yeah, Zalabar. Uh, I kept him at my side all the time, but as soon as you go dark side, he betrays you. So you can't have him around at the end. Um, but you can have HK-47. I know he was loyal. Uh, I think Bindo trade. I know that the Mandalorian was on your team no matter what. Matter of fact, worships you if you swap. And but I think that was a bit like like I know I I knew I could count on HK-47. <laughs> That's about it, really. Bastilla, man, maybe Bastilla. Like, there's something with Bastilla too, because she goes dark side for a second there, and then you like save her. There's all kinds of things with that too. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Oh, man, I don't remember all of that. I, I need to go back and play it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so many little side things. This game has so much nuance that you kind of forget about. There's like these flashbacks, like yeah, she was in black, and because she, she died to Malik saving me, but then he turned her. There's all kinds of things like that. It's like I kind of remember those. It's like trying to like pinpoint the small things that happen in a game of thrones because it's like oh yeah there was that one thing where that guy was rolling off right. stuff like that <laughs> uh character development let's go into that and go into that for a little bit again the zalabar fight before leading up to that he was just a really cool wookie then after the planet i felt like this guy's got my back the entire time he's now out here because he has like the life debt to me and uh i am i'm indebted to him too just because now there's like now i'm actually invested in the well-being of his planet that motivated me further on so i feel like that was really good character progression because again going into that it was just like cool wookie after that i was like my best friend <laughs> uh was there any other like character development moments you could really think like was there any characters you were further invested in as you played uh, probably i i remember liking even though she was really annoying uh mission was she had a really good backstory to it, and I remember growing some attachment to her. I don't yeah. remember like the specifics of her backstory, to be honest. But uh, Zalbar, uh, yeah, I, I just thought the entire time he was a cool Wookiee. Even the the Kashyyyk storyline didn't do a whole lot for me because Star Wars books at that time, anytime that there was a Wookiee story, it was because the, the Wookiee was being enslaved, and you the, the hero freed the Wookiee slave. That's just a an easy yeah. go to for Wookies for some reason. So. <laughs> I've heard that story several times by that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Candorous uh, just liked to blow things up, if I remember correctly. Uh, Karth was pretty milk toast. <laughs> oh, he so was. He was so boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he he was kind of pathetic when you go back to the ship and you'd see him there and he's just like, so how's the adventure going? <laughs> like, oh, buddy, just make sure everything's clean, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Try to look out the window from time to time, see how we're doing. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, OK, yeah. So and then like Bastilla was one of those things where I know I was supposed to like really be invested in her. And I found myself becoming more OK with her as the game went on. But I really just didn't really care for her that much. I don't know. I, I she good voice acting. I don't know about character written. I'm not sure. What are your thoughts on her? Yeah, uh, great voice acting. You're definitely right about that. I thinking back on it now, I don't think that that character had very many I, I don't think she did very many things incorrectly you can empathize with her pretty well and her decisions and yeah. battle meditation is freaking cool I, I'm gonna say that's the first time that we saw anything any battle meditation basically she uses the force to inspire soldiers and whoever else around her to do better and to be better which is a really cool thing to add to as a force power that we had never seen prior to that so I, I like her for that. Yeah, that was, that's a good point. I forgot about that. That's really cool, actually. Yeah, that's something that should be used more in the movie. Because you'd think that you'd have just Yoda during the Clone Wars up there, which is like, inspire! And everybody starts right. going more, you know, hardcore. Uh, all right, before we wrap up the, the uh, story section here and move on to the next level, uh, let's talk about pacing. And I think that that's kind of one of the strong points in this game. It's very movie-like in that sense. Or actually, you know, yeah, movie-like. Because we have a clear act structure here. Act 1 ends with, you know, um, 
Jedi Temple, learning of the Star Forge, stuff like that in Act 1 ends. And then you're going from planet to planet that has these really cool adventures. Feels like a classic Star Wars in that way. And then, you know, Act 3 kicks off once you learn that you're Revan. And then you're like, what do I do with this information? Uh, moving on to, to taking out Malak and stuff like that. Uh, do you feel like the pacing of this game was done well or was did it have any slow points? Well, it's kind of paced at the speed that you want to pace it at because it is a it's a long RPG and it's a Bioware right. good Bioware game. So um, I I think that it is as well paced as can be for a game of that scope. It does have yeah. clear clear cut act transitions, like you were saying. It's yeah it it was it was paced super well. The 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 story moved along at the speed you wanted it to, and all the side stuff was your decision whether or not you inspected that even so yeah went fast and not too fast it was great yeah i think i thought it was pretty solid all right we're moving on to our scores then what are you scoring this out of 30 i am going to score the story i would say 26 the main story of the game didn't really hit me that hard it was all the little stuff along with the lore building the story building that really bumped it up from a higher from a lower score that i was going to originally get Okay. I'm going to say 26. Out of Still a very good score. Uh, mine might be outlandish now, thinking back on it. But uh, in context, uh, so before this, in the Star Wars universe, I've only seen the prequels, and I played Star Wars Battlefront. Those are the two things I had. So this was actually probably the best Star Wars story I had at the time. Uh, I gave it a 30 out of 30. <laughs> Perfect score. I don't do that often. But I I liked the main story. That twist was a big deal to me. And I had no no idea that Wookiees could be enslaved. So I was like, what? <laughs> we have to save them. Uh, so I gave it a full 30 out of 30. Just just totally fanboy for this. Hey, given the context, that makes sense. That is a really high score, though. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, gameplay is not going to be the same. <laughs> so moving on to gameplay. We're leveling up. All right. We're going to start off with the basics. Control, movement, combat, and camera. Uh, any of those four really stood out for you, good or bad? No, um, I played it with mouse and keyboard, which was a lot easier, <clears throat> I think, than playing it with a controller, even though the HUD was kind of designed around it with a controller in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very simple to go through with a mouse. I think that would have been best for me to go with mouse. I ended up playing it with, the, you know, the controller, and I found that the controls are very clunky. Uh, and, and the turn-based thing, which is such an important aspect of the game, I think... Like like we were talking about before the recording, I think would not do well today, as well today. Uh, and for me, was off-putting in the beginning. And I just kind of like, well, let me power through this for a little bit. And then I got and fell in love with it. But at first sight, the turn-based thing actually was turning me away. Do you think that that would do well today or no? There's definitely an audience for it. Like yeah. we were talking about before the recording with uh, Baldur's Gate 3 coming along pretty nicely. Uh, Divinity right. Original Sin has, you know, all the turn-based combat. I didn't play turn-based games before this either, so like you, it did take me a little bit of time to get the hang of. Yeah. Yeah, I... I Yeah, I think I would have more patience for it now, and I'm really surprised that I actually got into it then. Because if I looked at the games I was playing at the time, they were, you know, your Crackdown, Halos, all these, like, real fast-paced first-person shooters. I really didn't have many games that were this slow-paced, uh, methodical, even, like, Fable, for example, came out kind of close to this too. Fable did feel faster, although it was a full RPG um, and stuff like that. So I don't know. It's kind of w- this weird thing where it's like, how did I get past this first part when I think back at like being on Terrace? And here we are. I'm totally into it. So, so controlling the controlling the the turn based system wasn't that bad. I don't think with the controller because you could queue up all the attacks and specials that you wanted to, and you didn't have to like pause the game every turn. So right. to speak, you line up all your next turns, like up to four or five attacks, I think. So it, it was smooth, smooth and fast for a turn-based game, I thought. My, my big complaint with it, though, is it kind of felt like when you're playing a Pokemon game and you're already kind of strong, right? And then you come across people and you're like, Ugh, or you come across Pokemon, and you're like, I really don't want to have to do this just because it's time consuming to say run. It's time consuming to do anything. I kind of felt like that was like, oh, this battle's in the way of me getting more story. And that's not good because that's kind of the gameplay. That's the loop. And to me, it felt like, man, this is kind of just getting in the way, personally. I got you. I yeah. 
movements, stuff like that. I, I think actually running around was really good. It was just to me, I think the main camera was fine. There were moments where it kind of like forced the camera perspective in a good way that you're seeing who's talking. That was solid. Um, but yeah, generally it was, you know, it's, it's an era of the time. So like a 2003, I think was when this, when I said this came out, um, we were still kind of figuring some things out a little bit too. So I will give it that. Uh, okay. Moving on to user interface. Now, do you remember any of the hacking or the mini games? The hacking, I don't quite remember, but I remember playing Pazak a lot, the card game. Um, okay. Was that the one that was sort of like Blackjack, but little different? I don't remember. I think so. There was a lot of people who got stuck on Terrace because of it. I know that much. <laughs> yeah, so I, I remember it being there, and th I think this was the very first game that I played that had this many mini games and wasn't just... It might have even been the first one that had any kind of mini games like this that just took you completely away from the main story, which I thought was yeah. great because especially, you know, with a, a heavy hitting story like this game is, you, you like to have little breaks from it from time to time and do something with a little less consequence to it. So, yeah, I like the mini games. There was there was racing in there, too. Am I, or am I mistaken? Yeah, the swoop racing. I didn't care swoop for racing. that part. No. I mean, it wasn't the racing itself. It was the, the warring swoop factions that I didn't care for. Okay. The yeah. whole story there it just felt childish and petty. I think I liked that part, and I don't care for the actual swoop racing itself. Because I remember <laughs> thinking, like, it was kind of like the Warriors underneath Terrace kind of thing like that. And yeah. I kind of liked that. Yeah, the swoop racing was a little strange because it was, it, it's like the racing in Battletoads. <laughs> kind oh, of. Yeah. Now you just turned me against it. See what yeah, you did there? Yeah, I thought that was going to do. Freaking Battletoads killing me. <laughs> All right, uh, innovations. This is where I'm gonna I'm gonna be talking a little bit on on the Xbox thing. So yes, um, when this game was developed, they had an issue because the game is very heavy on the dialogue options, and the numbers that the the game was running were based off the the dialogue and the character development and how that would affect things. Because you also had so with the dialogue tree, you had to throw in variables like I'm this percentage light or dark, so it ended up branching the trees out even farther than that. So the game was very heavy storage-wise and computing-wise, but not graphically. So at the time when you're competing against games that were sitting there just like pumping everything they had into, we need to make sure this is smooth and looks beautiful when you're doing it. This really invested its power into something completely different. Um, that's why they had such a hard time with development and they had to go with the Xbox because it had a similar framework of the PC, which is what this game was really meant for was PC. And... Uh, I like the idea of approaching a game's development completely differently, differently than anything else. This idea of how do we make these dialogue trees fit and everything like that. So innovation, I got to give it to this in this dialogue tree system that was so dependent on your choices, uh, not only in the dialogue itself, but in the game, then it would affect your dialogue later on. And it made development hard, but I think it, it made the game stand out uh innovation wise i can't think of any other game at the time that gave me so many options like that and talking can you think of another one no i think this was the one that kind of spawned that trend in games the whole good versus evil yeah because i know fable you were able to kind of toy around with that and then you know you had the wife and stuff like that which is all a whole dialogue tree mess there but nothing nothing like this of course so I, i'm giving a big chunk of my score to that the fact that some of my favorite games now like i'm playing kingdoms of Amular, and and that has a whole dialogue tree that has the persuasion and stuff like that. And then you have the games like Skyrim and stuff like that spawn later that had these really deep conversations you can have. Even then, even Skyrim now and stuff like that, they definitely don't have the options that you have in this game because they leaned in so heavily on it. So I got to give it a huge part of that. And it really kind of made you feel like you're in a living world because of that, too. You can have full on conversations with people. Let's go on to our scores. We're going to go out of 30 again. What are you looking at for gameplay? It's going to be high. Um, the only thing I think that takes away from that a little bit is there seems to be a lot of unutilized space in a lot of the maps. And I know it's a very nitpicky thing, but I put this game on a high pedestal, so it's going to be the nitpicky things that I have to focus on, I think. Um, yeah. That's, that's, that's a 29 out of 30. 20, ooh, oh my god. Yeah, you went high. Yeah. I went really low. <laughs> so... Um, <clears throat> I, 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 the innovation is carrying my score. Okay. But what's really hurting it is it felt so clunky to me. And I actually think that it's turn-based access. So, cause, cause like, okay, the other turn-based games that we're at right now, we're thinking at like Final Fantasy. Um, I played this one that was all about like 
Sun God or something like that. God, I can't remember the name of it, but it was really fun. Um, I think this was a less clear turn-based game in that in that way. I don't know. It was, it was kind of this thing where I really had a hard time getting into it. So my score is actually pretty low. It's 16 out of 30. Ooh. I know. <sighs> and and if looking back at first, I was like, oh, this game was perfect. That I, I'm gonna have to this game's gonna be an A. That though, when I looked back at it, and I was like, oh, let me watch some old videos and stuff like that and see how it was, because I was like, I don't I don't remember it being all that great. And that's when I was like, oh no, this thing was really rough that way. Um I didn't really sink into the mini games much. They were just kind of a thing you can do. Yeah, so I, I ended up going pretty pretty low on that one. It's gonna hurt my score at the end for sure. So but, before yeah. Before we level up, I do want to say I loved the control. I loved the it was the first turn based game I ever played, and it was the first Star Wars game on that scale that I played. So everything about it was kind of a first for me. So I had no yeah. baseline of comparison. So I think that's why my score is as high as it is. And I kind of use KOTOR as a baseline for current games of that genre. Well, and it's funny how that happens, because the same thing happened with me, the story, you know, where if it's a first, you hold it on a higher pedestal than everything yeah. else. It's it's the the new benchmark for you, so it gets a better score. And I think that's awesome because that's how video games work. Is you know I, I always reference this game. Everybody's always heard it. It's uh, uh, Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War. I hold it such a high pedestal because it created this nemesis system that I think other games should be using. And and it's like yeah, that's an innovation and it was a first for me. So I'll always hold it higher. It's one of those games that just do, does that for you. Yeah. Totally. See that game, I'd be given a much lower score. Oh boy, we gotta do that one next. That one. <laughs> oh man, I love that game too much. All right, let's move on to level three. We're leveling up. Don't you love, by the way? On a side note, guys, I know you're all questioning it. Level up. Are we talking about going through levels, or are we talking about you as a person leveling up? We don't know. Yeah, neither do we. We don't know. It's it's both, and <laughs> so, neither at the same time. <laughs> you're now level three. In level three, we're going to design. Uh, let's talk about graphics. Uh, we're going to go with level design first, which I think is one of the big high points for the design of this game. I myself felt like the levels were, they felt that, like they were really open. Like they had a really good job of kind of forcing your perspective to feel really open. And yet you still knew where you were going. Um, and, and then it had this thing where it had like a lot of NPCs, walking, like a Manon and stuff like, or Milan. I mean, um, it felt like there was a lot of people living there and I was just visiting. So it, it created this open and alive world. Uh, and then, of course, again, back on Milan and with like Korriban, there were so many times where I just stopped and just took it all in. It was gorgeous. The ruins on Korriban was like, oh, my God, this place is amazing. Uh, what do you think about the design level wise? You hit the nail on the head when it said when you said that it feels like you're just visiting. And I, I think I w wasn't able to put that into words as well as you did. It it felt like every world in that game was so developed and lived in that yeah. it just it made it feel like a living breathing world every time so the and the level design itself around it um I, I think they did a really really good job building uh different like architecture based on the planet and based on the 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 lore of the planet yeah yeah which is is something that star wars needs more of because it's such as it's this beautiful galaxy beautiful world that of course we kill we kind of kind of want to keep going back to but if we still keep seeing just Wookiees, humans, Sith, Jedi, you know, we keep re revi revisiting just the same old people. When you go to a, like a place like Milan, I'm going to keep bringing that one up, where it's just so different that your imagination takes over. That shows the power Star Wars has and, and can be underutilized sometimes. And, and even, this game captured it. And even on Tatooine, like it felt familiar, but very different at the same time, because the Tatooine's the first planet that you see if you watch the the first Star Wars movie. It's the first right. planet that you ever see on the ground. And it, it felt like that, but also different at the same time. It's just they, they did such a great job of building the worlds individually. It's while funny because fitting them into the lore. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's funny because that's the sad part with my history. It's like my first planet was Naboo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Misa no likey that. <laughs> oh, man. I'm such a Darth Jar Jar fanboy. Like, I, I tell you, those movies would be so good if they could just totally redo them using the Darth Jar Jar plan. Man, that, that's so good. All right. Uh, character design. We were definitely limited by the technology at the time on this one for sure. Were there any characters that stood out to you as just like, man, that guy looks cool. Or that girl looks cool. Uh, definitely HK-47. And mm. I d d I'm not going to say this is 
I'll call it a character, the Ebon Hawk, the ship itself. Yes. I, I loved the design of that. It was loosely based on the Millennium Falcon, but not just like a ripoff of it. It felt different, but familiar, which is what this game, I think, did best. Yeah. Well, they, they did do that. And that was actually a choice by the developers. They mentioned that that and Darth Malak being kind of reminiscent of Vader. They wanted to kind of have this like respirator dependent guy uh, with with Malak were used to kind of bring back the original trilogy a little bit and, and remind you of those. Yeah, Evan Hawk looked amazing. And then that's one of the places we got cutscenes was Evan Hawk taking off and landing. So they just was always really cool looking. Yeah. Uh, for me, character design, I think you nailed it with HK, but um, I was a big fan of, of Bindo, of course, the Jedi. He just kind of looked really cool. And I don't know. They, they looked good, not great, but, you know, it's just what are you going to do with the technology, right? And the right. Twi'lek really looked good, too. Like, all the Twi'leks walking around and stuff like that, they did a good job. I remember staring at, like, the headpieces and, like, okay, can you tell that they're disjointed? No, they actually looked pretty good. They actually did a really good job with those. Because sometimes with gaming, what you'll do is you'll attach the bottom of their tendrils? <laughs> we'll call them tendrils. Uh, you'll attach the bottom to the shoulder piece, right? And then the headpiece would be separated, so you'd see that disjointing feature. But, no, they actually did a good job of making them feel like they actually are laying there. And uh, they look solid. That's a really good point. I didn't even think about that. All the different alien races that they used in that game were done really well. Like a Rodian looked like the Rodians from the movies, just wearing yeah. different clothes. The Athorians, the hammerhead looking dudes. Oh, right. man, that was the first time that you saw more than like one of those in Star Wars. Freaking cool. Yeah, yes, yes. I'm starting to fanboy out. I want to play this game again, damn it. <laughs> that, then we're doing our job. Everybody, guys, go play this game. We're going to talk about it later on when you can buy it, because that's that's exactly what we want to happen. I ended up buying the Bioshock Collector's Edition after our Bioshock level up. So, yes, you could do that for sure. Um, okay, cutscenes. Now, this blew my mind at the time, because they just, they were so awesome. We had the destruction of Terrace, uh, with by Darth Malak attacking. Uh, we had all these really cool cutscenes. Of course, the, the infamous one, which really kind of, like, shook everybody, was when you found out you were Raven, Revan, uh, there was a cutscene that like circled around you and then it would show your face with your eyes all whited out and you're taking the Revan mask off. And depending on your character, that actually was your face. So people were like, how did they do that? How did they put me in the cutscene and stuff like that? It really it kind felt of like magic go, at the time. Hey, right. That was that was cutting edge. Uh, other than that, though, like my big complaint on this is I wish they would have more cutscenes because in the middle of the game, all of Act 2, all we had were landing on planet taking off on planet so they're all the ebon hawk stuff give us more of actually on the planet there was one where i was mentioning it before we we're going up and down the tree line on kashik but in more of those you know what i'm saying what do you think about that yeah I, you mentioned it yourself but they were really limited technologically what they were able to accomplish and fit on one xbox disc yeah um yeah, more cutscenes would have been great, and Bioware's great at doing them, especially in-game cutscenes where it doesn't have like a fully pre-rendered thing that they just throw on the top of it, but do it solely in-game. Um, I think they wanted to, but it seems like they just weren't able to. I'm actually bumping up my score as we're talking. I love that. <laughs> okay, perfect. Because I had rewritten, pre-written my scores, but no, it's getting bumped up. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the audio. I, I love to pay attention to the audio in these games. And damn, did this game kill it. So we're talking a soundtrack right now. It was this powerful sweeping soundtrack, which was required by Star Trek. Bear or Star Trek. Oh, my God. Oof, I'm so sorry, guys. Star Wars. Um, it was very <laughs> similar to the work of John Williams, uh, which is what we expected right out of, out of Star Wars. But this was actually done by Jeremy Soule. You guys need to remember that name because he's a legend. He did Oblivion, Skyrim, Dota 2, and so much more. He's been around in gaming for a very long time. And... When you think of that, does this not remind you of kind of that Skyrim soundtrack? This like big sweeping soundtrack? Yeah, it's like the epic feel to it. It just and, and it fits so well in with the actual the ambiance that the rest of the game gives as well. Yeah, it feels just like that. It's, it's great. I didn't realize that he was the same guy that did all those other games. Yeah, if you look at his thing, it's, and it's funny because it's like, you know, guy's got to work. So you're like, oh yeah, Skyrim. And he did all the Elder Scrolls actually. He did Morrowind too. And then you're like, oh, and he also did like Candy Crush. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> that, you got to pay the bills. I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> it's just kind of funny that that's its next. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just just this really good work, really good thing. Uh, sound design, were are there any moments where you were just like, oh, they did a good job with that? I, I, can you remember any of them in particular? Yeah, um, being 
a lifelong Star Wars nerd, the first time I heard the crack of a lightsaber. Oh my god, yeah. nothing, nothing beats that. I, I don't know if you're going to add that sound in or not. Oh, but... you know I will. Oh, you know I will. <laughs> oh, man, that was great. Um, other than that, the swoop bikes actually had a pretty cool sound to them. Um, the ships and the, the, the blasters. Yeah, it was the sound design was perfect in this game, I thought. Perfect. Yeah, they, they did a good job of kind of bringing in, like, even the stings, like the transitional scene stings uh, were very Star Wars, which were things that were like, oh, yeah, I'm watching a Star Wars now. Mandalorian and stuff like that, I'll use them now. Uh, we have the the wipes. They used wipes in there, too, which is actually more of a design, uh, graphical design. But they did use the actual star wipes sometimes. Not star wipes. Regular <laughs> wipes. Um, they, were, they were just reminiscent of the game. So it was really good, of the, of the series. So it was really good. Uh, voiceover. Anybody stand out for you in the voiceover department? This is going to kind of feel like a cop out. But honestly, the, the random NPCs on each planet having like fully voiced dialogue, even if some of the, the actual parts that were that were said were repeated. Yeah, I, I still think that it was really, really cool that every species sounded how it would how it looked and it, every one of them you could talk to and they were fully voiced. I loved that as a kid. It was. Yeah, it and, was great. And that goes back into that development thing we were talking about before, where this game had to be developed so differently than everything else, where. Yeah, maybe my guy doesn't look as good as, like, we'll say Tony Tony Hawk again. But, my God, I mean, you just feel like this world is so real when you can literally go to a random bartender and open up a conversation with them. Or uh, a guy who just happens to be carrying a package across the street in Terrace. You were like, yes, that dude is busy. <laughs> I'm in his way. Um, it was <laughs> really cool. And, uh, yeah, you know, if you if you ever have a moment where an NPC, you stop and you actually listen to what they're saying, that's a testament to the people who worked on that. Because that means that your sole mission got divide, got distracted by the world you're in. That's always a good sign of the game that you're in. That's awesome. Uh, for me, there's three voices that really stand out. So Bastilla Sean was done by Jennifer Hale, which later on will do the Mass Effect games. She also did DuckTales. She's in a lot of Star Wars work. So Clone Wars, Rebels, all those things like that. She does a lot of those too. She has a very Jedi voice, if you know what I'm saying, right? Kind of that like nice generally highfalutin voice it works really well kind of authoritative but not super uh there's a word i'm trying to think of aggressive yeah great yeah sixth grade teachery yeah she <laughs> sixth grade teacher. there you go <laughs> so yeah but still was your sixth grade teacher who betrayed you anyways um julie bindo we have uh done by now if you're a voiceover fan this guy's god Kevin Michael Richard, he's the voice of Cleveland from Family Guy, Principal Lewis from American Dad, Groot from Avengers Assemble, an excellent show, go watch that please, and Shredder from TMNT. I mean, he's like, just, he voices all kinds of badasses, and because he has a very distinct voice, it's kind of this deep voice that he's able to go high on, but that's not his register, but what he does, it sounds funny, that's the Cleveland one, but everybody else, he does this lower voice that just fits super well, so. Love doesn't lead to the dark side. Passion can lead to rage and fear and can be controlled, but passion is not the same thing as love. Controlling your passions while being in love, that's what they should teach you to beware. But love itself will save you, not condemn you. Uh, listen to me go on as if I had all the answers. What do I know of love anymore? I'm just a lonely old man who's not even a Jedi. Uh, that's Kevin Michael Richards. If you guys look at his IMDb, He's almost unparalleled on the voiceover work, so it was really cool to see that he actually was in here as one of the very side characters. <laughs> you know, Bindo was the Jedi that you could have with you that wasn't Bastila. And it was kind of like, he's just so freaking cool. Um, and then we had Master of Rukra Lamar was that was done by Ed Eisner of of Elf, and he's the old man from Up. He's just he was the he was the money guy. If you they them getting him on here cost a lot of money, so that was pretty cool too. I love that character. Yeah. <laughs> uh all right anything else out of design before we level up uh no i think we pretty much hit everything that i wanted to perfect okay let's go into our scores what is your score for design shit that's gonna be a straight up 30 yes okay i'm cool with that i moved mine up mine was gonna be 25 earlier it is now 27 the only reason it has a small ding is i wish we had more cutscenes in the middle of the game but i mean the voice the soundtrack Everything was so in the damn. Yeah, it's 27. Though. We're going to stick with 27. But I mean, it was really just excellent. Uh, this game, 
They killed it. It, it. You you make me stop and look around and listen to the world I'm in. That is what I want. That's why Skyrim gets a 30 when we do this adventure for Skyrim. Because it does, does that. I'm like, look at that tree move. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of game. So that's really good. <laughs> look at the water ripple. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we found a secret power. We found our way through a wall. We didn't know it was invisible. We're on to our bonus level here. This is time for our last adjustment. We're going to look at your score so far. And then we're going to see where we can go from here. So let's tally up your score. All right, so your score is 85 out of 90 so far. Very high score, and you have 10 points to play with. Do you want to add 10 points anywhere? Boost us up from a B. Uh, the question that we ask is, was this fun? That's kind of the, 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 the Richter scale for this thing where you really slide this around on. What do you think? So I'm going to add 9, and the only reason I'm not adding 10 is because I feel like that, that's, that's kind of a cop-out, and I don't think it was a perfect game. So I yeah. don't want to add 10 points to it, but making it a 94 feels about right because it is in my top five games of all time. It's it's the baseline that I compare Star Wars games to and that I compare RPGs to. It is one of the most the most formative games of my childhood or my, I guess, teenage years. But it's it was perfect when it came out for what it was. It's exactly what I needed. It was a near perfect game. Yeah. Okay. All right. I am going to adjust it by five points and I'm giving it five points for one particular thing. The twist. The, the story really didn't even need it for it to already be a really great story for me. That twist was one of those things where it was like you talked about it at, at school afterwards. You brought it up to your parents who don't know what video games are. You You just kept thinking about it. Just like. This opens up a world of storytelling to me that was like, holy cow, this whole time. And, and, and of course, if you're emotionally invested, there's few games that do this to me. But when you're emotionally invested in a video game and, and something like this happens to you, it can make your motivation for your gameplay further on just so much more impactful. That twist deserves five points on its own. So I'm going to give it its five points there. Uh, all right. So we're going to the boss battle. Let's see what we have so far. You are at 94 out of 100. I'm 78 out of 100. Design really took a hit. Uh, so let's go ahead and summarize our pros and cons and then talk about where they can buy this game. So summarize the pros and cons of this game for you. The pros are pretty much everything. Um, yeah, <laughs> it sounds I, like I don't it. even know what to, there were some cons like going back and playing it now, it doesn't quite feel the same because you don't get the surprise of the story, especially if you listen to this episode and we spoiled everything for you, but <laughs> you yeah. don't get the surprise of the story and, um, it does feel dated now because it was an original xbox game yeah uh, I, I think everything was damn near perfect to what i wanted and what i needed in a star wars and game and in an rpg yeah uh yeah my pros and cons is i think it had kind of a slow start a lot of it due to its uh combat style stuff like that that's personal for me um but if i'm looking back at it it's one of those games that in nostalgia performs so much better than uh probably what it was actually in mid play in nostalgia, it was informative. It changed how I looked at games. It was an RPG that, that holds everything else to, to a new higher standards. Uh, just really fantastic. I, it's high up for me. It just in nostalgia. But during the, when you're actually revisiting these games and guys, I find myself, I find myself doing this a lot now when I review movies and stuff like that for the podcast, you look at things differently. You look at it more analytically and. You know, some of the movies that you think were like perfect before and stuff like that, you, you see there were flaws. It's just that nostalgia puts real good, you know, drinking goggles over everything. And so for me, I, that's what I'm going with here. Um, so really great game. Slow start, but the twist really saved it at the end. And that's the part that everybody remembers. So um, but a really good game. So, yeah, that's why I got that 76 out of 100 for me. Uh, and then you're sitting at an A, man. You're sitting at a 94. That's really good. Uh, we can't suggest this game enough. It is really important you play this game. You can buy it on Steam and mobile for 10 bucks. And I'm telling you guys, it plays really good on mobile. I was really surprised by that. It really, I'm going to really try good. that. Yeah, totally worth the play. All right, let's talk about the DLC, guys. We got some DLC for this. It's usually where they can save the game with sequels and DLCs and expansions. We had a sequel came out in 2004. Uh, we'll save like fully describing that for a future uh, level up. But did you play the sequel? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's the reaction the tone, right there. <laughs> the tone of my voice pretty much explained everything. It wasn't a bad game. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, at some other point sometime. But yeah. It was not this game. 
that's the thing. That's the thing right there. It just wasn't this game. Uh, it was less life changing. Um, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. And then Old Republic was the MMO in 2011. I fully invested myself into this game. Uh, did you have a chance to play Old Republic? I built a computer for that game. I pre-ordered the collector's edition from GameStop, which is three terms that I don't like to use out loud. Yeah. So, yeah, I played it and yeah, it, it happened. <laughs> yeah, I I liked it for a long time, just story wise. Like it's one of those games, Waltzer the same way, where the leveling is a lot of fun. But then when you get to end game, you're like, man, it wasn't really well designed for end game. Uh, it has apparently saved itself quite a bit. There's a lot of people who stand by it now. Uh, there there are features that have been taken over by other MMOs and still some features that it has a standalone that are really good. Free to play was a really good choice for them. And I don't yeah, mean that derogatorily. Really no, was, no, you're right. It was great. It was the, the perfect time for it. it. It reinvested interest in the game when it yeah. needed it. It has a fan base that they're loyal to it, which is a good sign. Yeah. Yeah, they're still developing new expansions for that and DLC for it, too. So it's it's great. Yeah. And then for other adaptations, we do have the rumblings. You know, this is always shifting, especially in 2020 when things are just delayed all the time. Uh, there is a film franchise coming for this. Last I heard, it was Dan and Dave of Game of Thrones working on it. Uh, so they, they are interested in making a movie for this. As late as 2019, they announced that, yes, a movie around this franchise is coming. I think that's going to be a hit. I you I mean, I kind of don't trust the team making Star Wars movies right now, but you really can't mess this world up. It's so good. It's really tight knit. You have so much freedom in this time period because there's nothing canon for it now. Like these games aren't canon. The books and comics that take place around that time frame are not canon. So you can do anything you want and just yeah. use the Knights of the Old Republic video games as a baseline of comparison, I guess. And everybody that watches it will be uh, comparing it to the games as well, which, <laughs> you know, that could be a good thing, yeah. could be a bad thing. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. It is one of those things where you're like, guys, just use this as a script. Pull the game for your storyboard. Uh, another thing that reminds me of that is, is, I don't know if you've played the Telltale Walking Dead games. Have you played those? A little bit. Okay. I, I feel like, you know, scrap current Walking Deads, Use that game as your template, and and then you have a you have a home run. And it's like people are afraid to just straight up adapt a game. They're always like, "Oh, we're gonna make Assassin's Creed, but we're gonna change it up a little bit." Oh, why? Because Assassin's Creed's unsuccessful. Why are you doing that? <laughs> it makes no sense to me. Uh, so yeah. So hopefully that is good. Uh, Dan and Dave, they they're real hit and miss. Sometimes I think they're geniuses, and sometimes I think they're just floating. We'll see. <laughs> they're they're about to be given a Star Wars franchise, and that'll tell you right there. Uh, because people are pretty scrutinizing over those. Um, okay, so we'll go to the museum, and uh, you're walking into your museum. This is this is your top five museum. We're all in there. You have the five favorites for each genre. This one, you go up to the RPG genre. You have only five games and only one of each franchise. Does this make your top five? Absolutely, it does. Um, one of my favorite RPGs of all time, obviously one of my top five, and it is the best of the Knights of the Old Republic yeah. franchise. Also, it led to one of my other favorite all-time games, which is also a Bioware game, being Mass Effect 1. That was one of my favorite games of all time, and this KOTOR being the precursor to that was chef's kiss. <laughs> it was yeah. fantastic. Definitely Hall of Fame worthy for me. I love that you I love that you said the chef's kiss instead of, <laughs> instead of doing it. I didn't want to make perfect. a kissy sound in my microphone. Yeah. No, I know. No, I don't know if that would be undoing it, too. Um, okay, yeah, that I I'm really on the fence on this one, but the fact that it led to dialogue trees, and basically I'm gonna give this one the credit for making the type of dialogue trees that I love. Now I'm gonna put it up there. But it is a tight fight, because RPGs, man, what a genre when you're talking about Oblivion, which I think is the best Elder Scrolls in my opinion, and you're talking Morrowind. about <laughs> Oh boy, there you go. Boy, I expected a Skyrim out of you, but a Morrowind, nice. Oh no, Skyrim. Um, but yeah, I mean you're it's just such a full and rich genre. But the innovation really makes this one bump up for me, so I'm gonna go ahead and put it up there. But it's it's barely holding on. They did put that screw in very well, so the, the you know the frame's not so tight up there, but it's it's barely up there. All right, let's let's close <laughs> things off with some fun facts. We have some we have four of them for you. Okay, here we go. Out of all the these are by, these are from IMDb guys, so check out IMDb for the for more of these. Uh, out of all the characters that appear in the in this game, only Darth Revan was included in the revised Star Wars canon. He was about to make a brief appearance in Star Wars Clone Wars Ghost of Mortis in 2011. 
until the character was dropped later in productions. In 2019, Darth Revan was mentioned in the book Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, The Visual Dictionary. And with that adaptation into, into the canon, as the revised canon occasionally adds popular characters from old canon, it is possible that this will be the case with more characters from the game in the future. So because of the 2019 Dictionary book that came out, he is now actually in, in our current Star Wars. Now we just got to make that a movie about it, <laughs> you know, but that's pretty yes. good. Uh, next up, Bastilla Sean's character was originally meant to be uh, Vima Sunrider, a young heroine from the Dark Horse comics Tales of the Jedi uh, series who is instructed in the ways of the Jedi in the series Red, uh, Redemption. So they were actually kind of going to base this off of a comic book series that they did. But I'm kind of glad they made their own character. That way they can have the true, you know, control over the character's choices. It was really good. Uh, Mission Vow says, I have a bad feeling about this at least twice in the game. This is a homage to the original film series. Of course, everybody who lightly knows about Star Wars knows that's said in every movie. Um, wait, is it said in every movie? I think it's said in Rogue One. There's one of them that was like, wait a minute. No, yeah, I think it was said in every Rogue movie. One, he gets cut off when he's saying it. Okay, okay, okay. That's what it is. Uh, I don't know. We'll count it. Okay, and then the last one we have here. When captured by... This is my favorite one. When captured by the Sith, you are asked the location of the Jedi base. You can lie and say Alderaan while the base <laughs> is actually on Dantooine. Yes. In episode four of the movies, while Princess Leia is captured by the Galactic Empire, she is questioned about the location of the Rebel base. She lies and says Dantooine to try to save Alderaan. I love that one. That's my favorite one. <laughs> it, was a, it was a great touch. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, guys. I, again, Steam Mobile. Go buy this game. Totally worth the play. Uh, we're giving it a 78 for me and a 94 for Kevin. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much for hanging out, man. Been great. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for having me. It refreshed my memory of this game, and I'm probably going to go back and play it. Yeah, that's good. Uh, if people want to watch you play this and other games, can you go ahead and give us the Twitch one more time? Yeah, twitch.tv slash Kevinjection. That's a play on words. It's the name Kevin and the word injection. Slam oh, together, man. Kevinjection. <laughs> Mind is blown. <laughs> Great job. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you again for hanging out for another level up. We're going to have another one coming each month from here on out. And we thank you guys so much for your support. We appreciate it. We'll see you guys next week. All right. Bye. Later.